And so anyhow, so this is the question I have for you, is that who's in charge around here? Now I want to tell you a quick story uh, why I named it this, and it goes back quite a number of years ago, but when I was a youth pastor in Missouri, uh, I, me and Dara were just married, and uh, you know, we were young, and I obviously, I look younger than I am, and so it was even worse back then, because when I was in my 20s, I still look like a teenager. And uh, so anyhow, so we had all these Friday night events and all this kind of stuff. And one day uh, we were doing one of our typical things. And this gentleman came in the front door and I'm standing there, uh, which wasn't, we kind of had like a little foyer. It was a split level building. So there were stairs up and down and there's several ways to go. So the guy walks in and his daughter was coming for the first time to our event or to anything at our church for that matter. And so this kind of man comes in. He's kind of perturbed. You could tell just when he walked in the door and he's like, I need to speak to who's in charge here. And I said, well, I am. He goes, no, seriously, who's in charge here? And I was like, no, I really am. And he would not believe me. And so I had to take him to someone who looked more adultish than I did at the time so he could actually know that I was actually the guy responsible for everything. And, you know, and I think sometimes that we could, should ask ourselves that question, too, about our own lives. Who's really in charge around here? Because it's not a question of if someone's ruling, it's just a matter of who. And, uh, you know, and so there's some things uh, that the Lord put in my heart, and I'm going to be sharing uh, some this morning. I'll be sharing some for the next couple of weeks as well. Um, You know, and obviously, uh, you know, we've been, you know, every year I encourage you to take this time and do what the Bible says, which is to seek first the kingdom of God. That's why we do it in January, not in December. We want to do the first at the beginning of the year. And I'm not going to talk much about that verse in Matthew 6, 33, because I'm giving you a whole book that talks about it. So, there you go. And uh, so it's, that's the book uh, out there on the table for you that you could have this morning. And, um, you know, but, uh, you know, there are things that we're, and the reason why we're taking this next 21 days is because you'll find out who's in charge real quick when you start laying stuff aside. Really quick. It doesn't take long, I promise you. Because the truth of it is, and many of you, and, and well-meaning and To the best of your knowledge, you believe that, hey, as a Christian, my spirit man's in charge of my life, when in reality, it's just not the truth. Now, you know, the Bible teaches multiple times that we are a three-part being, a triune being. We are a spirit. You are a spirit. You don't have a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and you have a body. So this part of me will die unless Jesus comes back. This part does not go to heaven. But my spirit man is eternal. Your spirit person, your spirit man is eternal. And the question is, is who's in charge? Is it your flesh or is it your spirit man? Because, and we're going to look at some things this morning about this. And why does it matter? Because so many times if we're not really paying attention, our flesh will dominate our life. And we don't realize what all we're actually losing in that fight, if you will. Because many times our flesh has much more control than we realize through desires, through wants, you know, and just sometimes through even convenience. How many of you know that just because something's convenient doesn't mean it's good for you? I mean, you know, I'm as guilty as anybody, but fast food is not known for its health qualities. It's known for being fast and convenient, right? It's like, well, you know, I could make dinner or I could just go to the drive-thru. Yeah, that sounds better. Let's go to the drive-thru. Because I I don't want to take the time because it's not convenient to make a meal. 
So we're just going to go for what's convenient. Well, that's not always the best thing. It's just the most convenient. And many times we can fall into patterns, if you will, in our life, in our day-to-day life, that we just become so accustomed to that it's the norm that we don't realize it over a period of time that really things have begun to take charge in our life that we never would have allowed uh, if it just, if we, you know. And so this is a time where we get to just kind of hit the reset button. You know, and there are things that you can lay aside. There's, you know, and, and it's between you and the Lord. But, uh, you know, what you do. And, but uh, there are things that if we're not careful, attitudes, thought processes, those types of things that are contrary. They're, they're actually, uh, they're actually a, an opponent to the word of God. And, uh, you know, and so sometimes we have to get away a little bit and hit reset. And, uh, you know, and so that's really what this season is all about. And, and so, you know, really the verse that I've had in my heart and, and we're going to kind of unpack this over the next few weeks. But it comes out of Galatians chapter 5. Uh, we're going to start there. and get, got a couple verses for you this morning. And I'm going to share a few things about this. But here in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Paul writes and he says, For you have been called to live a life in freedom. How many of you realize that Jesus came to give you freedom? I mean like real Freedom. Not like, sort of, kind of, maybe a little bit, you know. I mean, like, real freedom, like where we live differently than we did before we knew Jesus. Where the things that controlled me now, 20-something years ago, should no longer control me. Why? Because Christ came to actually set me free. Those things that used to control me as an unsaved sinner should no longer be controlling, or let me say it this way, should no longer be manipulating me into Every women desire that may come. And here it says that Christ came so that we could have real freedom. He says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, your flesh. He said, instead, use your freedom to serve or to love or to serve one another in love. He says, for the whole law can be summed up in this command, love your neighbor as yourself. And so here he is, he's talking about this battle and he continues the conversation and we'll look at it here in a moment really between you have a spirit man and you have a flesh you have just earthly desires sin nature sin nature came into the picture the moment that adam and eve sinned in the garden and we've been fighting a battle ever since none of us is exempt we all face flesh all the time how many of you when you woke up this morning just couldn't wait to get out of bed anybody anybody how many of you were like I feel kind of warm and comfy, and I think I kind of want to stay in here a little longer. But you had to make a decision at some point, didn't you? What did you have to do? You had to go beyond what's convenient and make a decision enough to get up. My son does not like getting up. He doesn't like going to sleep either, but he definitely doesn't like getting up. You know, and there are things that even like that for us, you know, it's not always convenient for us to set things aside to read our Bible or to spend time with the Lord or to make prayer a priority. Those aren't necessarily convenient things, and yet it's a choice. It's a decision that we have to make if we want the blessings and the benefit that come from them. See, we have to walk in freedom. Christ didn't come just to give us freedom. He came so that we could walk in freedom. Well, that's a process, and that's a continual thing that has to happen. Just because the Lord, um, you know, delivers you from something, whatever it may be, one time doesn't mean, well, that's it, never again. No, the devil's going to come back and attack you in that same area. 
I can guarantee it. I have scripture to back it up, but we don't have time. So, but he's going to come back to those areas. So what? You're going to have to continue to walk in the freedom, the liberty that Christ has made available for you. But the problem is, is sometimes, and here's the other thing about this. Sometimes we want to blame the devil for everything bad that happens. We want to say, oh, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that sin happens when it rises up from within us. What Satan does is give us the bait. We're the one who takes it. Why? Because there's a desire in us. And he lures us, yes, but it's not his fault. It's something in us. And so we have to learn how to deal with this flesh sinful nature that we have. And look, and I understand I'm the righteous of God. I've been redeemed from the curse. I understand all of those, what I'm talking about. But just because you confess that sin has no, uh, that sin can't affect you in any way, that's just not a true statement. I don't care how holy, how righteous, how perfect and beautiful you may be in the eyes of God. We still live in a fallen world and we still have a fallen flesh. Jesus came to redeem our flesh, but it has not been redeemed yet. That's why the Bible says that when we go to heaven, what this, this mortal, this, this flesh body is what? It's swallowed up in immortality. In other words, we get the greatest upgrade ever. We won't have aches and pains and we won't have sickness and disease. Why? Because that which was mortal will become immortal, eternal. The Bible says we actually get a new body, a glorified body when we go to heaven and be with God. But we're not there yet. Now, my spirit man, your spirit man, if you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, that part of you is renewed. But now we have a soul, a mind, a will, and emotion. And the Bible says we have to renew it or clean it. We have to refresh it with what? The word of God. Why? Because we have to get a new way of thinking. We have to learn to think differently. Why? Because God's ways of living and our ways of living are not always the same thing. And many times they're not. And so we actually have to now learn to think and act like God. If we're going to walk in all of his blessings. I mean, the Bible's full of promises from God. And yet many people don't walk in them. And sometimes I think it's because they're still blaming the devil. Well, the devil did this, the devil did that, whatever it may be. Okay, but at what point do you take responsibility and just say, yeah, I messed that one up? Because see, here's the thing. You can't change what you can't acknowledge. You can't. Why? Because as long as it's somebody else's fault, you don't have to deal with it. But when you start saying, look, I don't care really how I got here. It's my responsibility to clean up the mess. So I'm going to move forward in these things. And here he talks about, and really what he's talking about here is really contrasting the law or the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the New Covenant that's come through Christ. The Old Testament was all about really the arm of the flesh, the strength of our ability to do right. Well, how many of you realize that none of us can even just keep the Ten Commandments? Just try to name them right now. I bet you can't name six. I got seven the last time I tried. I had to go look them up. You know, I mean, it just, you know, I, I mean, it's left to ourselves. We're not good enough to be who God wants us to be. 
We're not. Not in and of ourselves. But that doesn't mean that we're helpless, hopeless, or just a lost cause. No, that's the whole reason that Jesus came. Was so that he could become everything that we're not, so that we could become what he is. And so, but that is a process that happens continually, all the time. And so he goes on here in verse 16. Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. He says, then you won't go about doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, let me read you this out of the Amplified Bible, verse 16. He says, but I say, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit seek him and be responsive, responsive to his guidance. It says, and then you will certainly not carry out the desires of your sinful nature. Now, this is the part I want you to catch, this last part that the Amplified adds. He says, you, won't, uh, you will not carry out the desire of sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard to God or his concepts. See, our flesh is just going to respond. It just is. With no thought of God, anything, scriptures, nothing. We just respond out of it. Well, that response typically is not the right response. Here it says that we are to walk habitually with the Holy Spirit. Seek Him and respond. In other words, follow His lead. Is that I have to make a decision that my spirit man is going to lead. Well, the only way I can let my spirit man lead is if I'm following the Holy Spirit. There's no other way around it. Why? Because I and myself don't know the right things to do. So I need a guide. That's why the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came. Jesus said, look, guys, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send you a comforter, an advocate, one who is just like me to be with you. Not just to be with you, but to actually be in you. And so Paul gives the instructions here, and he says, look, you need to live in this place of walking in the Spirit. Other translations would say it this way. If you'll walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, I think what happens many times is that we think, well, if I don't walk in the flesh, then I will walk in the Spirit. But it's actually the opposite. In other words, we're not trying to be better. Well, I just need to talk better and not say certain things. And I just need to remove some bad influence and some bad habits. And, you know, of course, this is first of the year and you may have some New Year's resolutions. And you're like, I'm going to be a better me in 2018. You know, that may be your slogan or whatever it may be. And, you know, and you've got these things laid out. And it's really behavior modification is what New Year's resolutions are all about. Well, I want to do better in this. I want to not do that. That is not what this is talking about. It says if we walk in the Spirit. In other words, if we stay connected to the Holy Spirit, we don't have to worry about walking in the flesh. The Spirit and who's in charge will take care of that flesh. Not the other way around. Well, if I could just be a better Christian, I would be closer to God. If I could just act right, and if I just didn't say certain things, if I just didn't do this or that or whatever it may be, you're looking at it wrong. Because you're still putting your flesh in charge. Versus really the way the Bible says is to put your spirit man in charge of your life. And then, you, so, I mean, practically, like let me just give you something, you know, something so simple. Lord, should I buy this? I mean, it, it's small. And I've had the Lord tell me, don't buy that. And then I did, and it cost me a lot of money. It did not turn out well in the end. Why? Because I didn't walk with the Holy Spirit. 
I ignored the wisdom of God and then I paid the price for it. Well, it wasn't his fault. He tried to tell me, but I was stubborn. I know I'm the only one in the room, but I was stubborn (laughs) and it cost me. It's not because God didn't try to talk to me. And it's not that I didn't, it's not like, you know, it wasn't an audible voice thing, but I knew in my heart, I just don't need to do this. I mean, I've had the Lord just kind of prompt me in this. Is that I want something. He's like, you got money for that? And I'm like, well, no, but I want it. <laughs> well, I got to make a decision. That's flesh. I want, I want, I want this. I, I, I need this. You know, and yet the Holy Spirit will stir in us, giving us desires. You know, when you're sitting on the couch and you're nice and cozy and you're at the end of your day and you're like, I should go read my Bible. Your flesh didn't come up with that idea, I can tell you. (laughs) That's your spirit, man, stirring up in you what? Trying to help you move closer in your walk with the Lord. But we have a choice. Are we going to stay nice and comfy on the couch? Now, you can stay nice and comfy on the couch. Just go get your Bible and come back and turn the TV off. There's nothing wrong with the couch. I mean, if we're not careful, we will just consume our days and our life with stuff that really provides no benefit. No real benefit. So he says here in verse 16, he says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. He says, the sinful nature wants to do what is evil. Now, evil is just anything that displeases God. It's not some, you know, anyhow. He says, um, which is just the opposite of what your spirit wants. And the spirit gives you desires that are the opposite of what sinful nature desires. It says, these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Now, if you notice here, the word spirit is capitalized. So that's not talking about our human spirit. That's talking about the Holy Spirit gives us desires that are contrary to what your flesh wants. And he says that these two forces are constantly fighting. So every decision, everything that happens in our life, they're never free of these two options. And the choice is, is who are we going to allow to be in charge of our life? He says in verse 18, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under the obligation of the law of Moses. So in other words, and really what it's saying here is that when you're directed by the Spirit, your flesh is no longer the one who needs to be in the lead. Why? Because your spirit man is now in the lead. Verse 19 says, when you follow the desires of your uh, flesh nature, your sinful nature, the results are very clear. He says it's sexual immorality, impurity, lustful desires, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and sins like these. I know you came to church just to hear that this morning. That was a mouthful. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things. What? You go read the previous verses. All the things that everybody else in the world are so consumed with. He says, look, if you'll make me your first priority, I'll take care of all that stuff. So just because I seek God doesn't mean that I get shortchanged in any way. As a matter of fact, I get the better end of the deal because I still get the stuff that I needed except now that I'm walking with the Lord. I get that as as really the real blessing and the real benefit. 
Verse 22 here says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your life. I like to think of it this way, is that this is the proof that the Holy Spirit's working in me. It's the evidence that the Holy Spirit's actually working in my life. Is that He produces this in my life. It, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. And he says, there is no law against these. The fruit of the Spirit are to come operating out of us. Well, how do we do that? By walking in line with God's Word. By listening to His leadings. You know, how do you walk in love with people? It's not a feeling, it's a decision. Trust me. If you want to find out if your flesh is in charge, try to love somebody that you really don't want to. Your flesh real quickly will get involved. And you'll find out real quick. Because it's not always easy to love people, especially if they've wronged you. But you know, you can't actually forgive somebody if you don't love them. Like walking in love with them. I don't mean like you're in love. That's not what I'm talking about. But making the decision that, hey, I no longer hold you as, a, as guilty for what you may have said or done or whatever the case may be. And yet the fruit of the Holy Spirit is I'm, I have the ability to move beyond my past hurts. And I have the ability to let that person go. And I no longer call them guilty by me. That's what it means to walk in love. I, I like uh, one translation said about patience it says it's not so much about just enduring but it's about how you act while you endure you ever prayed for something and had to wait for it i'm not a good waiter i'm impatient like god i know you can do this right now so let's just go ahead and button this up and let's move this thing forward <laughs> like why do we need to wait and yet here where it talks about patience is actually talks about how I endure while I wait. Well, the Holy Spirit can help me be patient. He can help me be kind while I wait. I'm not always in myself the nicest person as I wait. Get out of my way. I got places to go. I got things to do. I mean, I think somebody set a a world record taking a turn on my way to church this morning. I'm like, golly. It's amazing how slowly people can take a turn. I'm astonished. El Dorado has the slowest turning people on the planet. I've been all over the planet. I'm telling you, people here, the slowest turns ever. It's amazing. I don't even know how it's possible, but so the Lord's still teaching me some patience. Every slow person gets in front of me. And they get out of my way and then I get a ticket. Goodness gracious. Praise the Lord. Little patience. Now the fruit or the evidence of the Holy Spirit is joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. I know that's everybody's favorite. That's on your top ten list. Reasons I love Jesus, self-control. You know. But you know what? What we're talking about is spirit and flesh. It requires some self-control. Because here's the thing. God can't make you do anything. Let me say it this way. God won't make you do anything. The devil can't make you do anything. They give you choices. Joshua said it this way. Speaking to the children of Israel. He says, today 
I call all of heaven and earth to record what you're about to decide in this moment because today God sets before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And God said, I would, I would desire, I beg you to choose life. But you can choose death. You can. You can choose blessing or you can choose cursing. It's not God's best. But we make decisions many times that bring these things about. So we have to learn to actually get our spirit man in a place where he's in control. Well, that's what we're doing in these next 21 days. We're laying some things aside for a better purpose. To really get the priority of authority right in our life. You may say, well, TV's not a big deal to me. Turn it off. Amen. Oh, but it's my show. Exactly. I mean, you know, oh, well, football's not a God to me. Okay, then don't watch the playoffs. I know it. I mean, your team ain't in it either way. So mine ain't there. So what do I got to watch? I mean, if you really want to find out where something is in your life, put it aside. And then find out how much of a draw it has. You're going to be like, well, I'm not going to watch the game. I'm just going to look at the score on my phone. (laughs) I mean, you know, I mean, and I say it jokingly, but I say that because I identify with that. Well, I'm not going to watch the game, but uh, let me see what's just happening. Are they winning? Are they losing? I'm just going to check in every now and then. And that every now and then before the end of the game is like every five minutes. Like, <laughs> refresh, refresh. <laughs> we make things, and really, I mean, if you really want to get technical about it, which this really falls in lines with what Paul talked about here with the, the flesh, is that many things, especially when it comes to our entertainment, yes. at every level, and, we have, and you have to be honest with yourself. I'm not throwing stones because, look, I got my own stuff. They become idols. Well, the problem is you worship an idol. And we don't realize that sometimes. Is that we give more focus and more attention. I mean, I don't think anything about sitting down to watch a football game for three hours. But when was the last time I sat down with God for three hours? I mean... I don't mind spending money on all kinds of stuff that I deem important. Like, I need a bigger, better TV to see my football players because they're not big enough, you know. I need a bigger screen. And yet, when God asks me to be generous to somebody else, I have a hesitation. Or to make a sacrifice for his kingdom. There's this pause in me that says, "Uh, that's that's not the Lord. But if it's so I can watch my game, then, oh, yeah, I, I need that. The Internet, I mean, our phone, social media, all those types of things. We're more concerned about what people think about us in a made-up digital world than we are about the creator of the universe and what he thinks about us. But we just seek the approval of people. And, and, and how many, you know, I mean, we were at Thanksgiving or something, and uh, one of my sister-in-laws had posted something, and, she was all paranoid about how many likes do I got? How, many, how much of this and this? And I just told her, I was like, I'm not going to like it. I was like, I looked at it. She was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, I'm here. 
why do I need to like a picture when I'm in the room? I'm not, that's a true, true, that really happened. And I was just like, I'm just not doing it. I'm stubborn like that, you know. That's right. But see, there's things in our life that we're, just by not paying attention to, that they begin to gain priority in our life and God gets squeezed out. Not because we intended to, just because we're not really paying attention. And that's why we take this time to really set some focus time aside. You know, you can remove elements out of your life that just aren't essential. And here's the shocker is that there are things that we deem essential that just aren't. They're just not essential. I mean, I've had the opportunity to go to other nations. And I've been in some of the most remote places. I mean, I've been two days boat ride from the nearest city. No electricity, no running water. Some of the happiest people I've ever met in my life had nothing. But here was the thing. They didn't know what they didn't have. And they were happy. I mean, like, genuinely happy. Like, something like I've never seen in America. We're the most blessed nation in the world, yet we can't be happy. Why? Because we have all this stuff and we see, well, they have this and they have that. and well, Oh, well, they got a new car, so I guess I need to get a new car. And they have a new house, I guess I need a new house. And they have this and I want that. And all these things. And, and we're in this rat race of what? Of pursuing stuff that feeds our flesh, but it has no eternal value. And so we press and we press and we press for these things. Not realizing that God has a different way for us to live. And it doesn't matter if you've lived with God for two weeks, 20 years, 50 years. This is all something that we all battle and we all face. In verse 24 of Galatians 5, it says, Paul continues and he says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature, their flesh nature, to his cross and crucified them there. He says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so there are these things about us. And exactly what he says, look, if we're going to walk with the Spirit, you have to realize that as a believer, the Bible says that we have now laid down our life at the foot of the cross of Christ. The Bible says that I am not my own, but I have been bought with the precious blood of Christ. Well, the same is true for you. He laid down his life in the form of death for us. Now we lay down our life and we still live for him. We don't die because he died. But we do live for him. Well, the only way that we can uh, be effective in doing that is to now walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in the power of our flesh. I'm not trying to just be better. I'm not just trying to modify my behaviors. No, I want to walk in a new power, a new ability that I don't have in and of myself. But that only comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, that requires some attention and focus on my part to Turn away from lesser things and to look towards more important things and more valuable things. So I do that through prayer. I do that through the reading of the Word of God. I do that through worship. I, I actually sow to the Spirit and I don't sow to the flesh. See, every time that I go and, and eat, what am I doing? I'm sowing to my flesh. And guess what? I need food to live. You need food to live. 
If I don't eat, eventually I will die. Why? Because I didn't eat. Well, if you don't sow to your spirit man, eventually your spirit man will become so inept, become so powerless that it will make no difference in your life. That there will be zero difference between you and your unsaved neighbor. Why? Because I have removed all power out of my spirit man. And now I'm just trying to be a Christian. And yet we're called to actually walk with the Spirit as our habit. He said, make it your habit is the way that he said, walk habitually. Make it your habit that you walk or make a priority of hearing from the Holy Spirit. It bothers me when I stop being convicted by certain things. If you have things that used to be convictions in your life that are no longer convictions in your life, it might be an area you need to pay a little attention to. If there's areas of compromise that have come through time, you might need to talk to the Lord about some of those areas. And look, and I say this because this is something that I do. In my own heart, in my own life. Because it bothers me when I don't hear the Lord speak to me. When I don't have the unction of the Holy Spirit, it bothers me. It bothers me when I'm not moved by the presence of God. Like, I mean, it bothers me to the point where, man, I need to fix this. Because I've been there at times where get in a church service and the Spirit of God is there and I can tell it. But in my heart, there's no connection to it whatsoever. What is that? That's a disconnect. And I've had to learn how to get back and, and to come back to those. Well, how does that happen? It only comes by connecting with the Holy Spirit and renewing what God has done in me. Over in Galatians 6, one chapter over. Paul, and now this is really talking about uh, an offering, but yet the principle is still the same. He says, don't be misled in verse 7. He says, you cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Another way it says, you will always reap what you sow. You will always reap what you sow. But in verse 8, He gives us a little more instruction. He says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful desires will harvest uh, decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life. You know, salvation is not just a moment when we're going to get to heaven. It's that we are actually called to live out and live in salvation right now. Right now, not one day when I get to heaven. No, right now, Jesus came that I could walk in the Spirit, that I could walk in the power of the resurrection of Christ, that I could live differently in the here and the now. That I can live differently tomorrow. That things that may have held me back in the past would no longer hold me back. Why? Because I've stepped into true freedom in Christ. And here he says is that we can sow to the flesh Well, how do you kill your flesh? You starve it. Now, I'm not talking about your physical body. I'm talking about your flesh nature. You do away with it. Cold turkey. You're like, well, I'm just going to ease myself off. You can try, but chances are you're going to ease yourself right back on. And so sometimes there are things in your life that the Lord will say, hey, I want you to set this aside for a time or a season. And then there's some things the Lord says, hey, I want you to lay that down and don't ever come back to it. 
Well, now I have a choice. Do I want to walk in the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit? Because he's not asking me to, to lay those things down by my own ability or my own strength or my own determination. What he's asking me to do is to step into the power of the Holy Spirit to help me to walk away from things that are damaging, that are detrimental to what God has for me moving forward. So he says, if you sow to the flesh, it's going to live. But if you'll sow to the Spirit, it will kill off that sin, that flesh nature in your life. Sow to the Spirit. Well, how do you sow to the Spirit? I've already mentioned a few of them, but here's a couple. Come to church. Why? Because you're around other believers. There's something about being part of a family. We were never designed, God never designed us ever to be isolated. God created us for one reason, and it was fellowship. That was, a, that was man's first purpose, was fellowship with God. But we need fellowship with one another. We need people to help us. When we're weak, other people will be strong. We need that. We need that, that connection. So be a part of a church family. Be active in worship. Don't just wait till we get done with the songs. Engage in worship. Why? Because when you open your mouth, you open your heart. Something happens. I can't explain it. But there are times that I have experienced the presence of God in worship that nothing else compares to. Nothing. I, I, I clap my hands. Why? Because that's what we do in church. No, I clap my hands because the Bible says that we're to clap holy hands. We're to lift them up before God. So it's an act of obedience. Then there's obviously time spent in the Word. If you want to, let me say it this way. If you, want to, if you want to hear God talk, learn His language. What's God's language? It's the Word of God. I mean, I wouldn't go to a foreign country not knowing the language and just expect everybody to know English. By the way, if you ever go to a foreign country, don't do that because you'll be one of those Americans. So, just save you a little heartache there. No, if you want to hear from God, learn, to, learn His language. Start reading the Word of God. Start praying. Prayer is an invitation for God to come. God, I acknowledge that I can't do anything in this moment. But I'm inviting you in to help me. I'm inviting you in to help me work. Another way that we sow to the Spirit is through our thoughts and our words and our actions. Our thoughts, our words, and our actions. What do you meditate? What do you think about? Those are all seeds that we're sowing. Those are the things that, that, you know, that really matter, if you will. See, here's my concern, if you want to call it this, but it's more of a statement that I want you to think about. If you've ever been with someone who is older, especially as they're really close to maybe death, they start thinking about things that really matter. And I've had the opportunity to sit with some people that won at the wrong things. You know, you can win in life at the wrong things. You can be successful. You can have the house. You can have the cars. You can have all the stuff. Everything you ever wanted. You can have your dream. And yet you can win at the wrong thing. And I think that that's something that we all have to look at and evaluate and ask the Lord. Am I winning at the right things? 
But Lord, I, I gave my kids everything they wanted. Yeah, but all they wanted was you. And want all the stuff. Yeah. They wanted time with you. Yes. So I've got to, and, and look, and, and I'm preaching to myself on this one because I got a little boy. I got a little girl on the way. And I can tend to fall more to the side of, I need to go work so I can provide, but what they need more than anything is me. So I have to be careful in my own life that I don't win at the wrong things. I want to make sure that I'm winning in the right areas. I want to make sure that I'm winning in my relationship and my walk with God, my connection to Him. Why? Because one day I'm going to stand before Him. And I don't want to say, well, here's all my successes. And he says, David, those don't count. I want to know that I want it the right things. First and foremost, I, I was created. You were created for fellowship with God. For a connection to Him. But we have to sow to the Spirit, not of the flesh. Look, I'm not saying that, we're, that we can be perfect. But I'd like to try. But perfection is not my goal. For a long time, perfection was my goal. I thought... Man, if I lived right, if I acted right, if I did all the things right, perfection was the goal. Well, I was totally off course. I was trying to win at the wrong thing. My heart now is I want to remove anything that keeps me from a connection to God. And in that connection with Him, all that stuff, all the behaviors that may not be pleasing will take care of themselves. Why? Because as I walk with God, I become more like Him. Acts chapter 4, it talks about Peter and John. And it says that the accusation about them was that that they had perceived that these men were ignorant. I believe it's 413 if I'm not mistaken. It says that they were ignorant, uneducated men. But it says that they perceived that they had been with Jesus. That was the difference for them. They had been with Jesus. That's what should be said about us. Not perfection. Not man, those are really great Christian people. I want to be the people that say, man, those people walk with God. They know God. They know how to pray. They know how to hear the voice of God. And, and, and that's my desire for all of us, not just for a few, is that we walk with the Lord. And, and so the choice, and I said this earlier, and I'll wrap it up with this, is that the choice is yours. God can't make you do it. The devil can't make you do it. We have choices. Life, death, blessing, and cursing. God's desire is that you would choose life. God's desire is that you would stop trying to be perfect in the flesh and become strong in the spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in us that enables us to walk this life out. And so even in these next couple of weeks as we have this time that we're setting things aside. You know, you may not have even, have even really given it much thought about would the Lord have you to set aside for a season. Ask the Lord to reveal to you, is there anything in me that I need to set aside for a season? When I say a season, it's three weeks. It is 21 days. Technically, it's 20 days after today. But a couple weeks, you lay those things aside. Why? Because they're temporal. They're not that important. I mean, here's, here's a news flash for you. I said this one earlier. Somebody's going to win some playoff games and somebody's going to win a Super Bowl. But guess what? There's another one next year too. And in light of eternity, 
God's not going to ask you how many Super Bowls you saw, how many playoff games your team won. It's not going to matter. He's going to want to know, where is your connection with me? So I'll ask you this, and leave you this thought, and then we're going to uh, finish service this morning out with uh, just some worship together. But are there areas of your life where you're winning at the wrong things? Are there corrections and adjustments that you might need to make so that you make sure that you're winning in the right areas and winning in the right things? Because the choice is yours. Nobody else can make it for you. You've got to make those decisions.